What up? You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 228, brought to you by InStock Trades and Summit City Comic Con. Hey, welcome to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 228. My name is Paul Montgomery, and I'm here with Jim Rochkowski. Wow, is that how you say that? Isn't it? <laughs> it, it is, as a matter of fact. Oh, Hi, guys. Very, very good. Okay, and, and the troublemaker over there, Mike. Hey, 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 guys. Hi, guys. How are you? Screw you, It's man. the writer's show. It, We're back. Yes. Did you miss us? April Fool's. This is the first time I've been on. This is the first time I've been on since August. I would imagine a good half the people listening don't even know who I am. You're Jim Rochkowski. So I got it again. Right. <laughs> Anyways, at iFanboy.com, we like comics and we read comics. And every week we read a bunch of comics. And then uh, not one of us, but usually Josh, Ron, or Connor picks the best one and then writes about it on the website. Then we all talk about it on the podcast, or they talk about it on the podcast. We got to fix this script, along with various other topics of interest. Uh, but before we get to the show, a quick reminder slash warning. This is a review show, and we will be talking about the things that happen in this week's books. So if you're worried about spoilers, deal with it. You've made a huge mistake. <laughs> yeah. You've done so, things uh, out of order. So this week, Josh had the pick, and luckily Scalp didn't come out. Yeah, exactly. And he picked Blackest Night number eight, finale, big, the grand finale. The big book, and it, and it just doesn't seem right somehow that, uh, that he, Josh isn't here. Right, so, so temporarily, to. just for temporarily, we'll we'll take the Let's, duct tape off of Josh's mouth and he can come and talk about it. <gasps> hey, Josh. Hey. So what do you like What's, about this book? Yeah, yeah, why'd you pick it? <laughs> just talk it out quick. <laughs> yeah, hurry up. Get, People get out, out there it. just had little, little mini heart attacks. Well, I want to hear him talk about it. Four <laughs> adjectives, let's go. <laughs> well, historically, whenever there's been like a book that I was supposed to talk about, I don't get to. It's yeah. always my pick. I have a baby. I go get my appendix pulled. There was another thing. You guys did this last time. Right. Yeah. Flash, Flash Rebirth number one Flash. was your pick. That, yeah. Hey, that yeah. miniseries, is, is is it over? No. Is it? Uh, or did it, it, it is. It is. It, the last one just it's, came out. It's been over for me for about six months. It was a photo oh. finish. Uh, yeah, Blackest Night number eight. Uh, it was, it was it list, for what? first of all, it was not a week of extreme challenges to this. No. Uh, if I'm going to be, it was honest. not. Um, and, and I think when I, I started to think about what it, it was, not my first choice. Like, like I didn't finish to be like, that's it. I'm done. I had to think about it. But when I sort of laid them all out and I thought about what it was going to be, it seemed to be the book that sort of stood above the others in the sense of the larger accomplishment of the whole thing. Totally. Um, I, I think, I don't know if this, I don't feel like a lot of people felt this way, but I certainly felt like in the middle of it, I was like, okay, let's get on with it. Let's let's finish up. Are you it talking is, about the minute, the the middle of the issues, or the middle of the series? The middle of the mini series. Oh, uh, amen. Where, where I just I was like, okay, I don't know if this is eight issues worth of story, but I get what he's like. One of the things that Jeff Johns does really well is juggle. He juggles like his life depends on it. I mean, the man, if if he was a magician, he would hold the world records for like he could do five chainsaws, six chickens, two bowling balls, you know, right. like do that. And so when I sort of was reading through this, I was like, wow, he. He actually managed to pull all that stuff together because at the end of the last one, I was like, this is just a mess. Yeah. I don't really know who the bad guy is. I don't know. 
It's all these things that have to be accomplished. And and to be completely fair to him, he accomplished all of them. Yeah. Not not to everybody's specific satisfaction, I don't believe. Um, but to mine. And I felt like I was like, okay, you know, it was a satisfying ending and in a very sort of classic comic book way, you know, he left some things to be dealt with. Um, and more than that, I felt like he cleaned up a lot of things that that needed cleaning. As as a lot of people know, he's now the DC Chief Creative Officer, a title which I I don't think I've ever heard in terms of a comic book company. But there no. you go. Um, <laughs> I looked it up when I when they first announced that, and I think that's a title that you usually only see at video game companies. Yeah, and yeah, and like no, like in advertising, you see it in places like that. Um, but so he's kind of in charge of what goes on creatively. Uh, as the as the title would imply, anyway, and so he set up this sort of status quo where he's like, "All right, I'm bringing back all of these dead characters." Uh, and well, some, these these specific dead characters, right? Apparently. But not others. And then he sort of set up a thing. He said, "Okay, from now on, dead is dead." So basically, right. I got to do it. Now, no one else ever gets to uh, until he's not there anymore. Um, and yeah, doing, well, he he brought back. Uh, you know, he loves Hawkman and Hawkgirl. That's that's been very clear for a while. He brought back. That that kid from Fifty Two, the little the little Black Adam, Osiris. Yeah, he likes Firestorm a lot. So he brought him back, brought Jade back for some reason. Uh, Hawk of Hawk and Dove, who I don't have any experience with really. Uh, Martian Manhunter, Manhunter who needs to be alive, and Aquaman, who I think was also missed. So those are sort of two, and then a couple other. Oh yeah, Captain Boomerang. I wonder why you did that. Um, he brought them. Oh, and Boston Brand, Dead Man. Yeah. Who, uh, has has he ever been alive, Dead Man? Not that I know he, of. He was not born since... alive, and then he right. became right. But in the stories, so it, wait, it, it would guys, it would be a foolish name. It would be a foolish. Now he's yeah. he's live man. Yeah. Um, so so did this actually all take place over one night? I mean, it has been a that very was long time. Uh, that was part of my ranting, and I I come at this as somebody who really only knows the DC universe through. Jeff Johns' Green Lantern run and some miscellaneous Gotham City wow. stuff. And I, by Josh was talking about needing kind of ready, being ready for this to end in the middle of the miniseries. And I definitely went into number eight with a chip on my shoulder because for all the griping I heard about the Savage Land a year and a half ago, Jesus <laughs> Christ, they were, they were setting up tents in the Savage Land and roasting marshmallows by about issue six of this. And, and wow. I just, but I gave it the benefit of the doubt because I don't know. Maybe if you know who all the people in that two-page splash who are flying around shooting beams at one another are, this has a huge emotional resonance to you that it maybe doesn't have to me. So he I did you know. explain all of it in the in the no, no. subsequent pages. Yeah, I I don't mean to imply that I was left, that I was orphaned or anything by the story. I think it's a, the blackest. It's the blackest night, and there's right. no necessary length on that night. It, everything went black, and they took care of it. It took as many hours as it did. I, I don't know. It wasn't something it's I really. Like, it's like Alaska. It's, well, it's dark curious. for a longer period yeah. of time. It's an <laughs> I, I think so that. Good. Oh, I was just saying. Speaking of juggling, I mean, give it up for uh, Mr. Ivan Rice. I mean, that there are a couple spreads here that I mean, my eyes are have been fatigued from the storyline. I will admit there have been lots and lots of people on these uh, pages, but I think he finished really strong. I could see an artist. I mean, I I, I can't believe his hand hasn't fallen off. Frankly. Well, this is to me the the real story. This actually led with this in my pick of the week review. That the story of this is is, is the art team, uh, yeah. Ivan Reese, and, and he only had two inkers on this one. But even so, I couldn't tell. You know, it I wasn't it wasn't to the detriment of it. Uh, and also, Alex Sinclair on colors. I can't think of a book where color mattered more. 
and I think that it, sure. the color for this was was perfectly handled. But <clears throat> even you know, basically, Ivan Reese was was the uh, Ethan Van Skyver also ran previously. I don't think that that's a surprise to anybody. Totally. You know, mm-hmm. Listen, we can't get Ethan Van Skyver to do the book, or it'll take Ethan Van Skyver nine years to do the book. So let's get this other guy from Brazil, um, Ivan Reese. But to me, you know, at this point, you know, he he's second to nobody. Yeah. He's not. He's not. He's not Ivan Reese's. Or he's not Ethan Van Skyver's backup. He is the guy who delivered every single page of this book, and he did it, I think, more or less on time. Uh, well, yeah, any, 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 delays. D- any delays were built in from the outset. Yeah, nothing, got, nothing lagged, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, and, and, and you know, the, uh, there's not a page of this that I was like, oh, phone that page in. No. Right. Every yeah. page of this was, uh, was it's a— It's all two-page splashes with 400 guys on it. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's it's and, it's spectacular in comparison to Flash Rebirth if you're going to compare the two artists and but even standing on its own, it's it's really amazing work. Oh, and 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 like one of the things that you'll hear when you when you talk to comic book artists is that a solo book has its own challenge. But the guy who's doing you know Spider Man, he's got to draw Spider Man constantly, something like this. Um, but this book, much like Civil War was for Steve McNiven, like there's a lot of research that has to be done. You have to learn how to draw every character. And yeah. and for like Civil War, Steve McNiven got behind because of that, and Ivan Reese didn't. And uh, this is not—I'm not saying it against Steve McNiven. It's just like this is how it works. Like you didn't know an artist doesn't go into a book knowing suddenly how to draw every character that DC Comics has ever did, and then to draw them in a brand new design, dead version of themselves. I was going to say and draw half of them as rotting corpses, right? With with previously unworn Black Lantern tutus on or whatever and yeah yeah it's, and it's, and you know there's backgrounds in the whole thing and and dynamic uh layouts and just like literally i don't the man like his right arm supposing he's right-handed or left <laughs> must be you know far out of proportion with the rest of his atrophied body <laughs> just, <Yeah. laughs> just one really healthy arm and it a looks sick, like sickly body on the other side yeah he looks like popeye or gauntlet or one of those random characters i i ever since that uh once upon a time when i was doing the, my uh column on ifanboy i decided to examine the issue of lateness in comics by drawing my own comic and i found that just with my rudimentary skills just trying to get two pages done in one week the last page was primarily uh stick figure stick figures on featureless you know <laughs> unending backgrounds and uh so when i opened up the four I guess it's four page gatefold with all the uh with all the now alive again characters just that alone my heart went out to the guy for you know the service that he has rendered to the DC <laughs> yeah. universe um, it's, it's an endurance challenge it really is yeah. just going through the pages it's amazing you know but not and not only that but the pages are really good i mean if you're into this really kind of classic modern superhero kind of comic book page this isn't Alex Maleev, and this isn't, you know, Sean Phillips. This is, you know, descendant of Neil Adams, you know, who's descendant sure. of Jack Kirby kind of thing. And they're really good, good pages. You know, they're high. I, yeah, you know, and that descendant of those of those artists, but at the same time, I, I don't think that before this unique moment in history, this story could have been told in this way if for no other reason than, like, the, the color palette didn't support the level of uh, nuance that was necessary uh, or, you know, the fact that 20 years ago you would have seen a scene like that and the, and the army of undead uh, rising from the grave would have been sort of depicted as an indistinct blob in the background. Yeah. Uh, whereas now everybody – you can see the, the guy's breakfast on his tie 
mm-hmm. in the in the background. And, and you know, it, you know, because of all that, it was it's just it was a good ending. And endings are hard. It's so hard to to. I mean, this is not even just the ending to Blackest Night. This is the this is the third act of the magnum opus that started with yeah. Rebirth and then Sinestro. Yeah. And, and like, and it, everyone liked it for the most yeah. part. You know, and I and I was like, you know, that was that was good. I, you have to give it up in the same way that you know, just you know, John's is. There's nothing spectacular going on in these pages. I've said lots of time. He's like a craftsman, though. Yeah. You know, he doesn't blow yeah. you away with stuff. He just does the work, and he does it really good, and it, it's impressive. Um, and What's so that's that what I walked away with. I well, won't I, say. Go ahead. You know, go ahead, Mike. No. No, I'm just thinking, like, just in terms of ending. In comics, the end always has to hint at a beginning, and I found myself very, very satisfied after an you know, extremely long run, but also like really looking at the possibilities with all these new characters and this new status quo. Like, this is pretty exciting. And, and w- even though I know that Brightest Day is coming, it looks mercifully short. You know, it's not like this huge long-term event. But Johns has, has made something kind of really exciting about what's next in the DC universe. Yeah, I, th- I think the thing that was really difficult about this issue is that every, everybody knows Brightest Day is next. So yeah. th- that's that's it wasn't just the expectations of this being the third act of something. It's this is the appetizer for something else, and um, you know it it pretty much it pretty much delivered. And um, you know it's not it's not the deepest comic. Um, it's but no. it's it, it, it the concepts are really cool. I'm really excited about all the things that are on the menu for Brightest Day. I, I love seeing these characters um, resurrected and saying that you know dead is dead from now on. Um, that's that's a cool mandate to have. Hopefully they stick with it. Um, I wasn't. I didn't even really come away from the story knowing that that was a fact. I, that just sounded like the opinion of. I don't remember if it was Barry or Hal. It, or who it was felt. It felt to me like like a guideline. Like he was he was that's setting this down. Mandate. Yeah, he was just drawing yeah. a line in the sand and saying this is it. And, um, but you know, th- the other thing is, um, I. I for so long, I expected, you know, oh, Sinestro is going to be the White Lantern, or or Hal is going to be the White Lantern, and Sinestro. I think I pretty much thought that Sinestro was going to kick the bucket in this. I thought he was going to, you know, somehow redeem himself or sacrifice himself, but he's still around. And uh, so there were a lot of surprises in this, like you know, Dead Man being alive. That's a really interesting kind of concept. I, I really like that character, and um, it'll be interesting to see what yeah what happens with him. I. I read. I felt like I, there was. A, I was a degree removed from all of the uh, from a lot of the emotional beats. But even I, like, I I left it giving it a good three or four. Like I, I kind of went into this having a chip on my shoulder because I didn't. I had read seven issues and it didn't look like any red. Like, it didn't look like any resolution had been set up in the previous seven. And so I thought that number after seven, after, you know, two or three issues of treading water, mm-hmm. the, the deus ex machina was going to come from out of nowhere and wrap the whole thing up with a nice little bow. And I don't think that that happened. I think that, uh, you know, it, it, it resolved everything pretty well. And like you said, set up for, you know, the next big thing. But at the same time, I was kind of going, as opposed to going, wow, what an interesting thing they did with dead man. I kind of went, wow, that I bet, if I knew a little bit more about Dead Man, that would really blow me away. But, like, the, the, like the thing who, is, what's what's the thing with what's what's Hawk Girl's deal? Obviously, well, that's that. that, I think that you're, you're, you are overlooking a little bit. Is that one of the things that the superhero comics do and have always done is that those those reveals are twofold or gatefold. O- older readers identify, they go, "Oh, okay, that's cool," and then new readers they should spark a sense of curiosity. Yeah, 
And it's one or the other. And I can remember this goes back to like the box of old comics that I had that were the Avengers. And I didn't know who Gilgamesh was. Right. But, oh, God. <laughs> well, not okay. Maybe he's a bad example. But I like yeah. I didn't know about the Scarlet Witch and 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 uh, the Vision. But like that made me want to learn more about it. So in a way, like this should I'm not saying it necessarily will, but it should make you curious about one of these characters. Maybe. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of interested in following up what happens with Dead Man. Like I don't know much about Dead Man. I know he shows up every once in a while, and I've always kind of liked him, but, you know, I don't know that much about it. I, I know about right. it much as I do the demon. I, I, read, I read the Blackest Night, Batman, uh, Blackest Night Batman miniseries, and he was featured prominently in it, and I kind of went, wow. And they, they went into his origin a little bit, and I was, you know, in a, in a subtle expositionary way, and I was like, oh, that, that's an interesting idea for a guy. And so, you know, I have that's, a little bit of... That's pretty much, that's pretty much his deal, you know? It's, yeah, yeah that, that's what he does. I just and, I'd like, you know, his, his being alive again, I haven't really thought through the implications of what that's going to be. So now mean. there's going to be a story and there's going to be stories in all sorts of different books that take place that have to do with Jade and, and Hawk and Hawkman and Hawk Girl. And I didn't realize that until now. Uh, and Firestorm and Iron Man. And yeah. like, I'm not going to read all those. No. But I'm going to pick the, a couple the, of them out. I want to know what's going to happen with, with Aquaman. I do. I don't really care about the Hawk people, but right. I want to know what's going to happen. But, yeah. or, or Firestorm, but I want to know what's going to happen like, with Dead Man. Yeah, yeah and I, I've never read Firestorm before, but based on just what I've learned in Blackest Night, seeing what happened in number eight, I was kind of like, oh, that, yeah, that's going to make some problems for all sorts of people. That, that's the thing. <laughs> I, have, I have no real affinity for Firestorm, but I know that there's a writer or, or many writers at DC who have Firestorm stories, and they're just itching to tell those stories. Right. And, and for all these characters, and Aquaman, hopefully, I'm, I'm hoping for some good Aquaman stories. And, this, uh, this book did something I really appreciate. One of my favorite things as a reader, which was it anticipated my, my nitpicky questions and sort of addressed them. Like when they went so far as to deal with what happens when the Red Lanterns aren't angry anymore, uh, that's something I've been wondering about for many an issue now, ever since the first time I saw that cat vomit up blood. Uh, and, you know, it turns out the same, answer is... same thing happened with this plot-wise. Is I remember getting to the end, they're, they're attacking Necron, they're attacking Necron, and I thought, what the hell happened to the Black Hand? He was the one right. the story was yeah. about at the beginning. And then, they, then he turned it around, and he was like, I'm going to fill in that dot for you. And I was like, well, that well was, done. That was, that was a splinter on the chip on my shoulder. What the hell happened to the Black Hand? Um, well, of course, my, and, my splinter never went away with the whole, like, su Superman never really why, touched on why, why is Superman in, the, in the, a pawn of Necron suddenly the most impotent, non-existent background player in the whole, yeah, well. Thank you. Because, thank you. because, because it's not his series, Michael. Yeah. There's, there's enough going on, people. You're right. right. All right. I'm, uh, you know what? The, uh, there's, there's too many cats in the fox pen. That's a bad <laughs> metaphor. Whatever right, tape's is. going back on. This show is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope you got. It. I hope you got it all out. Uh, um, well, thank you for joining us. Did you get it all? Are you? Do you feel better? That's okay. that's what we want to hear. Okay. It looks good, yeah. it looks good that way. Yeah. All right. I can see so. This going. Um, what do we got next, gentlemen? Now that we got the the regular host out of there, Detective Comics eight sixty three. Ah yes. The conclusion um, this, of of Jock's arc. The, sort uh, of. Jack Collins, Jack plus one. Okay. We were okay. we were talking we were talking about this before we started recording, and I, I'm usually pretty oblivious to art. Like I'm, I just don't I just don't have an affinity for describing it or, or kind of noticing the nuances of it like other people do. But as I was reading this, I was like, I don't and I don't even know that much about Jock. I I hasten to add, but as I read it, I was like, what the hell happened to this guy? I this yeah, doesn't yeah. 
And then I, at one point I thought to myself, you know, if I, I don't know what the deal is with this art, but if I turned to the last page and saw that Scott Collins had drawn this, I would not be a bit surprised. And then I turned to the last page and of course that's exactly what it was. And I, you know, I wanted to run around the sandwich shop and, you know, show it to people, but nobody knew what the hell I was talking about. Sure. I was really, I was really stunned by it because for me, detective has, has always sort of been this wonderful showcase of, of art. Right. And when Jock came on here, I, I was, I actually felt really let down. I thought it was sort of silly to, uh, to, it's all, I mean, obviously it was a scheduling thing or, or whatever, but it was just done. So almost flippantly a bit, you know what I mean? It just going from J.H. Williams or well, no, no, just going from Jock to uh, Collins in the middle oh, of the issue. Oh, okay. we, we hadn't been prepped for that kind of thing before. I mean, uh, oh, poor me. I'm, I, I'm, I got s- surprised by an artist. But I, I thought it kind of <laughs> lost momentum a bit because it was really distracting. It, it happens right in the middle of the story. And uh, a story that I must admit, guys, I, ne- I guess I never really got because um, I thought they were both going after the guy with the knives even in his head. Um, I, I realize I've been misreading the story the entire time. The, well, the, it's, I, it's a little I complicated think... in the in the way that it's broken down, which sort of has been a thing with Detective Comics, even with J.H. Williams. I mean, as as gorgeous yes. as the art has been, it's been a little bit. And as as much as I appreciate the the like interesting choices to page layouts, um, it, it, sometimes that gets in a way, and, and it, it does get distracting. So this is basically it's it's a story about this this kidnapper and. You're, you're getting a parallel narrative uh, in blue tones and red tones. One's happening in the past. One's happening now. Batman's going after the kidnapper and Batwoman's going after the kidnapper. Um, and then, yeah, it, it breaks down into, into a fight and Scott uh, Collins comes in. So it, I could see that being doubly jarring with it's two artists plus it's a, it's a complicated setup for, for how the art is broken down. I didn't even get any of it. Maybe I was just too tired when I read the other issues. I completely forgot that the blue stuff happened in the past. I'll just have to read it all over again. Well, I mean, it front, on a visceral level, it hit me where I live. The the mo of the cutter, who was the the kidnapper, he was basically <sighs> slicing parts of young girls' faces off so that he could graft them onto his sort of pet hostage's face. Yeah, and mm-hmm. her young again, and I, uh, I, it disturbed me the previous two issues, but for some reason, this issue literally put me off my lunch like i have a i have a habit of like buying the comics and then going and sitting and eating them i i read the comics i eat the lunch uh but i <laughs> i do i do both uh right thereafter and i picked out detective and started reading it and i was like i am gonna have to i'm gonna have to save this for later like i don't oh, i've totally. never even had i've never even had walking dead do that to me i don't know what's going on there, there's jock does knives and blades really nicely i'm finding you know his his cuts this is line quality are so visceral Yeah. Um, that I, I, his imagery, even though it's on the surface of it, it's very simple. Um, it's, it's, you know, I hate to pun, use the pun, but it's very cutting. And I thought it was a really perfect choice for the story, which is why I, even though I like Scott Collins a lot, I just, it wasn't like flash Scott Collins. It was just him. It's actually, to, it's actually a cleaner Scott Collins, which is, yeah, which is yeah. odd. I don't know if he, if he just, you know, reserves that style for, for flash and the rogues, but um, or I guess he maybe he was trying to be uh, like similar to Jock, like yeah. um, to be cleaner like that. But but yeah, I, I I could see it working better if it was you know that that grislier, um, you know, more sketchy Scott Collins. So so what so are, are you guys reading the uh, the question story? I think yeah. I I go back and forth with whether I I like the art or not. Um, sometimes I do, and sometimes I just 
I just don't get it. I, I like the art a lot, except um, in some of these panels, there's no backgrounds at all. There's like and, no backgrounds in most of these panels, man. It's just like crazy. Yeah, and you're you're getting a lot of a lot of green backgrounds here, and as clean as the art is, I think it works better uh, later on in the in the night scene with Huntress and and the question, which the by the way, a, a great team up too. Um, I like seeing those two together. Um, it's it's a nice pairing, and and it's it's good for the question to have somebody to riff off of. Um, I think it's a great pairing. I think for me, I think the art is incongruous to the pairing. Uh, I feel like these are really I down and dirty Alex Malise style characters. Obviously, he wouldn't be doing this book, but these guys are real street level characters. And for me, it's almost like this is like a, the kind of art style you'll see in a, in a video game, like in the cutscenes. It's very animated. It's very cartoony. It seems it's more... giving it's giving you a Grand Theft Auto vibe. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And and for me, like the Huntress and the Question, they're they're fist fighters. I mean, it opens up with them being tortured. And it's hard for me to take the torture seriously when they look like cartoon characters. So maybe that's just my problem. I think <laughs> I I think the only other place I've seen these particular characters has been in Gotham Central. So I obviously know what you mean, but well, I so it's sort same, of similar I to the same thing about Powers when I started reading it, and I you know yeah. was just adapting it's it's sort of similar to to queen and country if you think about um you know oh yeah totally with different art and styles same, and sometimes i had the same problem mm -hmm. so sometimes sometimes the incongruity works like like uh the the three the founders three were talking about the nom uh recently sure and i can remember when i was a kid the letters column being sort of taken aback by the seriousness of the subject matter contrasted with michael golden's sort of cartoony artwork but the way i felt about it at the time was that if if this if this kind of subject matter was accompanied by uh, a grim and gritty or, or photorealistic style art, I would be too depressed to keep reading it. You know that, what I that's mean? That's interesting. Like, yeah. That's a good point. Uh, so what else we got, guys? We got Adventure Comics number nine, which you know what? I, uh, when I go, go and see a movie and I see commercials, I feel like they should be paying me to sit in the theater. Like I pay 12 bucks to see a movie and I get all these commercials. I, I was like just thinking about that the other day. I feel like adventure comics should be given away for free because for <laughs> me, it's just like, hey, here's the stuff that really should belong in another book. But we're going to just stick it here for six pages. But we're still going to charge you $3.99 for it. I'm you're, so irritated you're, by you're this. Suge you're suggesting that it's called adventure comics because plug comics isn't as catchy a name. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 for, I, was, I was very frustrated by the last issue. I, I, I was fuming, and, and I was like, okay, well, they are obviously not going to do that again because uh, Last Stand of New Krypton is, is its own series, and that was just a setup for that. And now this is just a setup. It's another setup. And, and like you, even on the first page, it's like, read Superman 698 before going any further. Well, I don't really want to do that. I mean, right. I happen to have read it, it. It does get a little frustrating, yeah. But and, and the stories are so short, and then all of a sudden you're like, go read this other book next week. Sure. And, and this, six pages later. When Civil War, gosh, when was it? I guess it was at the end of Civil War. There was a one-shot that came out that sounded very exciting. It like has a story by Warren Ellis, has a story by Brian Bendis, has a story. And like yeah. I bought it and I read it, and it turned out that all of all of it was three-page stories teasing the new books that were being yeah, they were like cold opens for yeah. those, yeah. you know, episodes or whatever. The Warren Ellis one for Thunderbolts in particular was just like, yeah, it was like what what happens before the credits roll on House or whatever. And and then <laughs> I kind of went, well, what the hell? God damn it! And then what? So what you're telling me is basically now they've they've turned this into a series. 
<laughs> is that <laughs> is that a, correct? It's an ongoing sampler. Well, I, I don't know if that's true, but I really enjoyed the first story in here, um, which is a great sort of genealogy of Brainiac 5, and it goes through mm-hmm. all the Brainiacs. And for anybody who's confused by the Legion, I actually recommend checking this out because it, it gives a like a really lucid explanation of how all of that works. Not not the whole Legion, obviously. That it's that's like five omnibi worth of information. Right. Um, but uh and how would you organize it? But it, it, this is a, re- a really great piece by uh, James Robinson, and it's it's sort of like almost an illustrated prose piece because it's all captions, and it's Brainiac Five sort of talking about um, what you know what it means to be a Brainiac and and how his his father Brainiac Four sort of redeemed the the you know the line. It's it's actually some of the best James Robinson writing I've read in a while. Uh, with the, I agree with you. After there. all the the rise and fall stuff um, and some of the stuff in uh, JLA, this is, it's just re- it's it's really nice and um, I think it's a great place to start if you're interested in in getting into things like uh, Rebels and the upcoming Legion books. So uh, sure. and I I love all that stuff. I love this cosmic stuff. So even though it it does feel sort of like a samplery kind of anthology, I, I did like these little stories. I thought the middle one was kind of cool. It was you know Supergirl and Superboy fighting um, in outer space and. Uh, there's some uh, telepathy going on. It's it, just fun little stories. So I, I can understand where you're frustrated, but uh, I, I had a lot of fun with this, actually. I think also I had just come off of reading uh, Blackest Night, and this is one of the, the second or third comic I read after it. And I was just getting really fatigued with big double spages, page spreads of people fighting. And yeah. I think yeah. I really I can see need, I need to space it out. And I, and I got to tell you, when I read these sort of sampler books, uh, unfortunately, I, I still can't even get up, muster up the energy to read the third one. It, I just look <laughs> you, at it. You're not I a backup to, story kind of guy. I just have no interest in it. Like you've, I've already been burned twice with these uh, teasers. You know what? For, I, I, but I, I, I think these would all make great single issues if they were expanded out. The third story is actually really kind of interesting. It's, it's an assassination of, of a Kryptonian who had been in the Phantom Zone, and it's. Uh, sort of a, a black ops thing it's a it's a nice little little piece by eric troutman um i enjoyed that one too i, I don't know they're 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 good little slices of stories i, I do I, wish they were longer though i've just had a rough week i guess <laughs> I, I i do think that, that that it would be nicer for me if they would just expand these stories and make it a full issue i i'm not a huge fan of splitting the books up i i want to i want to I, I like the full you- art You'd rather see the entire James Robinson in one issue and then yeah. the entire Eric Troutman in another and so on and so on. Yeah. And, and, and then make it a weekly book, huh? There you go. I, I just solved the problem. Okay. What's next? Okay. And it should uh, be free also. And it should, and Everything it should, should be free. And it should be free. You um, should win things by reading it. I understand that both <laughs> of you guys read A-Team War Stories B.A. With you a name like that, me. how could you not? Let me tell you something, brother. <laughs> I, know why, I know why you did not read this. I, I can't. You, you pity me. I do. I you pity are you for fool. not reading the book. Fool. You are a fool, and I pity you uh, well, because stay in school. I, <laughs> do I was right there. I was right there with you a couple of weeks ago, but I somebody gave this to me, and I thought, you know, I never, I never would have thought as long as I lived that I would be thirty plus years old reading a GI Joe comic. And IDW has shown me that it is not what the thing is about, but how it is about it and who you put in the driver's seat. And what's this I see? I see the name Dixon. Perhaps I'll give this a try. And the, the, they did a Hannibal one-shot 
that came out uh, last week or the week before that I that I just tried out, and it was so such a pleasant surprise, such a breath breath of fresh air or a breath of flesh air, whatever. I don't care. Uh, but I just if you if you remember anything, uh, both of these stories so far have taken place during the first Gulf War in you know roughly 1991, and and focus on each of these characters who I last cared about when I was about eight years old. Um, and uh, it's it's what yeah. happens to them in the theme song, basically. It's <laughs> that's you right. know what 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 why did they get dishonorably discharged or whatever? Yeah, and and it just it's just a little vignette, one shot story of you know double crosses and hardcore action and fool pitying and uh, occasionally coloring that looks like it was done with sidewalk chalk, but that doesn't detract from the story enough for you to have to worry about it. Uh, a little and, odd looking, yeah, yeah. And did a little bit of that Frank Quitely uh, Batman and Robin stuff, where the you know, the 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 sound effects are sort of incorporated into the action in a surprising way. But uh, yeah, I like that. Not yeah. it's not quite. I don't want you to pick this up expecting Frank Quitely. Don't no, it's don't, don't no, 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 no. That. It, that that would be an interesting place if he was hiding there. If, if that's where he <laughs> right. went. What's he What's he doing in between arcs? Oh, writing Howling Mad Murdoch and his adventures. But yeah, I. It's one of those things that that I never would have guessed in a million years that I would have cared about. I had almost no intention of ever seeing the upcoming A-Team movie that is inspiring all these little spin-offs and, and tie-ins. But IDW will is a small, scrappy company that will take your, your license and do something with it that makes you proud you pick them. And this is no exception. Yeah, it, uh, no, it, it was a lot. It was a lot of fun. Uh, they should give this out at after-school programs to uh, to the inner city kids, and you know, don't play with your ball on the street, and don't, uh, don't trust your lieutenant. Yeah, under any circumstances, <laughs> kids. Don't don't be gun uh, runners. Right, but yeah, if if you're if, this this is a great candidate for uh, getting in the time machine and rewriting the light week uh, section of iFanboy because this was a good uh, thing to pick up if you've got. A light week. Yeah, I like it. I the, like this. It. This week, I, I took a lot of chances. I, I took a, I took a chance on this one, and um, I'm I'm about to, to to blow some people's minds here. If, if anybody knows me and what I like, you'll be shocked that this is a book that it might be my pick of the week. This next one coming up, not 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 BA story, but uh, X Men Second Coming number one. I gave it a here, shot. Here. Thought, when you when you suggested we talk about this, I just assumed that I that I was going to be put in some kind of unwelcome spotlight because I knew that <laughs> let's you give had Jim read something it. to talk about. No, I just I was like, there's no way Paul read it. He expects me to tap dance when this comes up. But I was no, like, I mean, so I'm you, not I'm not you know typically a, a Finch fan. I'm not uh, who who are the writers. It's it's Kyle and Yost. Uh, not not usually my bag. I'm not an, I'm not a mutant guy. I'm you could consider me part of the Sapien League, but. Um, I, I was like, I should try something new. We're going to do the show this week. Uh, what's the craziest thing I could I could pick out? Uh, and uh, of the two things I picked, this was the good one. So uh, we're going to talk <laughs> the about other, that. The other shall not be mentioned. The other one shall not be mentioned. But uh, I got to tell you, I, I got to tell you, man. I have I have actually dropped all the X Men books because I just got I just got really tired of it. But, sure. So when I saw this, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll check it out. And I I really liked it. I. I I actually liked the art a lot. I thought he showed some restraint, and I thought the story was good. I was like, "Oh, good, maybe I'm going to start reading X Men again." All of a sudden, I was really surprised by it. Yeah, one of the, one of the complaints I read on the site about it was that it's there's not a lot of forward momentum to the X Men overall story in all their books, uh, which is good for me. They're they're just sort of they're 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 sort of sharing their feelings and working on the irrigation system. <laughs> yeah, so this is this is something that probably should have happened a year ago, two years ago, or something. Well, Jesus, if you've been reading Cable for twenty four issues, 
you would probably argue it should have happened about 22 issues ago, but because uh, that 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 saga has been has been of a type. Okay, I so guess. so what what is this? This is the beginning of uh, the second coming storyline. It's a big deal for the X Men. This is uh, Cable coming back with the uh, the mutant girl Hope, uh, who is the first uh, mutant to be born after M Day, right? Right, right. And so they took he took her into the future, um, and uh, come with me if you want to live, kind of thing. And uh, because and Dwayne, she, Dwayne everybody was after has been doing an excellent job. Yeah, basically, Bishop blames uh, Hope for the dystopian Sentinel future that he grew up in, and so he thought if he just strangled a baby in the crib, then he could live with himself in that he would never exist in the first place in this form, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, he spent two years doing this sort of. Clint Eastwood time travel movie with with you know Cable one step ahead of him jumping backward and forward mostly uh-huh. forward in time. It was a pretty cool well, idea. Yeah, it it and Dwayne. I don't I don't mean to dismiss it by saying it should have resolved twenty two issues ago. But I sure. every every month that that Dwayne Straczynski kept going with it, my my jaw fell a little further. Like how how much longer could they possibly do this? Yeah. And then. Just like that. I mean, and that that wrapped up, I thought, in a very satisfying fashion. And then here we were in Finchtown, and uh, suddenly it was like old home week for all the racists who've hated the X-Men since I was a little <laughs> Yeah, kid. everybody's getting together. Like, yeah, it was like, oh my gosh, it's those smiley-faced robot things from X-Factor when I was 11. Wow, long time no see. Uh, and... Uh, so, and I don't know. I don't know at this point why the, why the people who hate the X Men don't just all get together, because because uh, the these Yost and uh, is it Kyle and Yost? Yeah, Craig and Yost. I can't. I can't. It's, one of them has two first names, and it ruins everything. But mm-hmm. uh, they in their in their X Force book, they it's it's just a it's just like a rotating wheel of racists who uh, Wolverine and company have to massacre and. Every time I see them, I think, why don't these people all just convene? They could really, they could share their resources. They could, <laughs> they could set up an org chart. This would be a lot more efficient for them. But yeah, the hockey mask guys are there, and the smiley face robots are there, and you know, the every and, the guy and, with the uh, cross, and yeah, there's a big guy on a crucifix thing. If I say things to you like Master Mold or uh, Nimrod, do they do they have any meaning to you whatsoever? Well, back to, they make back to me the, giggle. This the Saturday bit. morning yes, cartoon. Right. I remember that stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, that see. He's like a big sentinel. Yeah, it's a big crucified yeah. sentinel. Okay. Well, yeah, and and the guy with the unfortunate, very ninety sounding name of Bastion is a combination of of the Master Mold and Nimrod, and he's apparently the bad guy that I'm supposed to care about that that's and the one he's, he's giving all the, the uh, he's given all the orders too and if, if yeah. you have all these different guys working for you I, i'd be like can you can you help me off the cross please <laughs> right. yeah why why is put he me in a chair why, i don't know this guy why is he on the cross? A rickshaw maybe, maybe you can put it back in a nice 45 i always angle. i always think about these dramatic scenes that take place on the one page where they all look up and the guy's dangling from the ceiling on a cross and then i think about what does that guy do with the other 23 hours and 45 <laughs> minutes of his day i have an itch like, <laughs> right. um, like they all go, okay, so we're going to make a Starbucks run. Do you need anything? And, and I feel like at, at some point um, there was some kind of a get-together for all the X-Men writers. They had one of their retreats, and they, uh, they, they, they pulled out a Gideon Bible and started pulling biblical references because all the, all the X-Men books are you know, Second Coming, Messiah Complex, all that stuff, Guy on a Crucifix. Um, yeah. It, it, the, the, and, I think the mutants are a little the, melodramatic. I think at least at least a couple of the League of Racists are uh, are fundamentalist uh, 
militiamen who, you know, William Stryker, uh, X-Men movies notwithstanding, was a, was a preacher when I was a little kid. Right, right. So uh, I do, uh, speaking of preaching, I did like when uh, Wolver She or whatever, like X, X-23 uh, stabs a guy through the head. He stabs, she stabs one of the hockey mask racists through the head and, and uh, Nightcrawler lectures her about how they don't kill people roughly two pages after he teleported through the windshield of a car that was driving 80 miles an hour down the highway. Yeah, totally. Uh, and uh, I, I maybe, I don't know if he hadn't examined Cyclops' plan as carefully as he thought <laughs> when he was getting on his moral high horse, but mm. yeah. I really love that two-page two spread, by the way. I thought that was really badass. I thought, I thought this really book badass. was really exciting. There were some really exciting moments to it, and it sort of made me really enjoy the sort of team effort to, to fight to get this task done in a way that I, I, I just hadn't seen in an X-Men book for in yeah. a while. I could be wrong. It might be happening all the time in the other titles. Um, well, it will be for the next six months. I will say the one thing about this book that broke my heart was turning to the last page and seeing a checklist. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I was sure that it was a miniseries, and then it was like, to be continued in nine books. It, oh, God damn it. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do, I guess? I would like to hear Cyclops' plan for exactly how Hope saves the world. Yeah, he's just sure he knows. a very large womb. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, because because I because I've been thinking through this plan, and and that kid's still underage, so uh, I don't know what Cyclops thinks is going to happen there, but uh, he might need to take it to Thailand or something at the very least. But um, maybe well, I yeah. maybe I'm thinking it. Well, maybe I I don't know if they shipped to Thailand, but if you were traveling and and not not around a, a local comic book store, you might want to go to in stock trades. Did that really just happen? Did that really just happen? I think you you know I, I was looking at ways to do it, and it's better than I'm the womb. Just gonna, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna respect your choices, and I'm gonna yeah, let this. I, I, so if you're in the womb and you if need you're in some the comics. womb and you need some comics, I'm they, these guys uh, apparently they will deliver. Lots of places. Uh, this is a great place to buy uh, trade paperbacks, and all you know, it, which is a great way. By the way, I can't wait to read the Blackest Night trade, and I will get it from in stock trades. Um, with because over there, I'll save up to thirty seven percent and free shipping on orders over fifty dollars. And you know, these trades add up, so this is good, especially you know for Easter. And they have over nine thousand trade paperbacks in stock and available for order right now. New releases listed every Wednesday, just like their floppy counterparts. And uh, the orders usually ship within 48 hours. It's pretty good. And it's all at www.instocktrades.com. And uh, you know what? I'm adding this thing about Summit City Con. It's all about they are actually hosting the Summit City Comic Con on May 22nd in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Are you guys going to go to that? Are you? I, now that I know I about wanna it. I want to go. I want to go to that. Is, is, I would, it would be fun to go to Fort Wayne. But that's – if you want to see the weather there or learn about the Summit City Comic Con, uh, www.summitcitycomiccon.com. And there's a bunch of C's in there, and they're right next to each other. But, uh, <laughs> yes. but we, but we uh, thank InStock Trades for uh, sponsoring this, this beautiful mess that we're in. So speaking of beautiful messes, uh, Fantastic Four, number 577. Why is this on the list? They go to the moon. I heard some stuff happen. They they go to the moon. They meet the lost in humans. They they get a really excellent graduate level uh, lecture on on the nature of of inhuman development and and Cree genetics. And uh, if you it was this it was yeah this educational yeah I've never I've never seen a PowerPoint presentation inside a comic book before. Uh, but this was as good a time as any. No, I mean 
the Dale Eagles from uh, Dale Eaglesham art was consistently excellent. It's obvious Jonathan Hickman has a lot of great ideas. He perhaps has so many that he needs to occasionally bring a character out to stand at a podium and explain them for 15 pages or Listen, so. Listen, guys, at, at, at yeah. the end of 580, there's going to be a quiz in the back <laughs> of the book, and you have to yes. send it in, and you're going to get something yes. awesome. I like the Whether vaguely— your ability like, to continue reading will be will be great. Right. Uh, I like the i the, I like the iPad app at the back of each issue that sort of shows you <laughs> this, all the stuff one, that they could draw. This one was the least uh, troubling of those so far. It's the it's the dragnet like, thing. It tells you what happens, right. or it's Return the end of, of Cool Runnings where they tell you that they came back for another Olympics <laughs> later on. Right. Um, no, I would I could deal with a uh, text scroll from the last three minutes of Animal House level of of ipaditude but that's kind of like you, you turn to the last page of an issue of fantastic four and they're like here's another issue worth of stuff that you know should all end with a with a baseball game and they each disappear and they they tell you how the thing died <laughs> in vietnam and stuff like that so, that's right um yeah so what okay why are we talking about this I, I, hickman has such amazing ideas and i have to imagine that this is building up to something amazing um he started off with an amazing arc. Well, it, it wasn't the beginning of his run on Fantastic Four, but I mean, he did minis before that um, for Dark Reign. But that that Reed Richards story was just incredible. And as someone who doesn't normally read Fantastic Four, um, it was a big draw for me to come in and, and start reading it regularly. Yeah. But um, we need to we need to we need to get going, and uh, we need some some uh, showing and not telling pretty soon. Fantastic Four has always been, even during the especially during the Mark Wade era when I started reading it for the first time after years of, of not being particularly interested in it as a child. It's been very, it's a lot more about imagination and exploration than it is about fisticuffs and, you know, detective work and, and crime busting and so on and so forth. Like, and I'm not, I'm not a comic book fan who, who reads it and complains that there wasn't enough action and, you know, like no one punched anyone. Me not like, like you will, you run into that's, that's an entire sub genre or right. sub yeah i i, I love all the science in this i love all the exploration yeah. and I, i'm fine with it not being you know a slobber knocker of a book but uh he needs to tone it down just a little bit um with with the verbiage in there um yeah it's like i i get it you've got lots of ideas you're really smart but let's tell a story too and and it's it's funny it's, it's almost i mean I, I i i really like the inhumans i don't know a lot about them and I, i've completely missed out on that whole thing that they're doing off in space. But so it's kind of fun to get a touch of that again. So um, yeah, that's that, that, uh, that cosmic, uh, Abnett and landing stuff. You know, if you're, if you're looking for a reason to have, uh, and some in stock trades delivered to your womb, those are yeah. the ones to start with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but it's uh, nice every once in a while to get a postcard from the inhumans back here on right. earth or, or close by on the, on the moon. Our satellite. Occasionally, occasionally with like with that Atlantis issue of fantastic Four last month and, and the inhumans won this month, it goes into this level of history and, 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 you know, sort of phylum and uh, of these various different, uh, you know, races. And I sort of think, are you, are you illustrating a, a TSR monster manual or are you trying to, are the are these characters eventually going to do something? Which I, 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 I seriously had that same note. It's it's just like it's like getting set for Dungeons and Dragons. And, it really is. And when I was when I was a kid, I was invited to one of those sessions, and I spent the whole time like plotting who my character was and coming up with a backstory. And we yeah. never got to the actual fighting in it. <laughs> I well, I think I think that's what's happening here. We we have the we're 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 rolling for abilities right now, 
and and I think the time has come for somebody to step up. I can't sure. I can't continue that I can't continue that metaphor any further. <laughs> well, let, let's just that. hope that somebody rolls a one on their die twelve and there's a random encounter. That's huh? what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Speaking presumably. of random, presumably, okay, guys. So I've got a thing about incorruptible uh, number four, and I just got to get off my chest immediately. Maybe I'm just getting too used to the detail that I see in Blackest Night and other books, but I just don't like the art in this book at all. It's just it's so a problem. static. I just for me, I guess I get I pay too much attention. For me, the art is a big part of the comic because I I like to it, it just it makes it more it's just more exciting for me when the art is really really. There's good. nothing wrong with that. But I feel on, like the story could be great, but I just uh. on the iFanboy website this past week there was a discussion about. I want to say Patrick Zercher went online and, and said that he was, he was drawing a line in the sand and he wanted artists to get equal billing on book covers uh, with the writers. Mm-hmm. And he had, you know, the example that they use is the, is the uh, Gotham Central hardcovers where, where Rucka and Brubaker's names are gigantic and you know, Michael Lark is a tiny little footnote down in the bottom left-hand corner. And uh, the discussion that broke out in that, uh, on that page in the site was you know, whether – Will you buy a book that is well written but not necessarily well drawn? What about if it's beautiful but uh, Jeff Loeb for or someone you know that you don't necessarily care for is the writer and and you know so on and so forth? And it sounds like Mike, this is something of a deal breaker for you. Sometimes I mean it just it's for me it's distracting. I, I just I look I just feel like there's so many artists out there that are working their tails off to produce really good stuff and and. When I see lack of detail and just sort of like boring backgrounds or no backgrounds at all, it just frustrates me because I know there are so many artists out there that are work, that want to want to do this and and sort of deliver better goods, frankly. Um, and I feel like this book is this book is really compelling, and I think it could be really interesting. But I, I felt like it, there was a little bit of a misstep in this, it, and even it, even story wise too, frankly. It took me a while to warm up to Irredeemable, and I've been assuming that it's just sort of taking me a little while to warm up to uh, its counterpart as well. Maybe, maybe not. Um, I, I feel like this could have just been a, a mini series and have uh, Irredeemable be an ongoing. I, I don't know if there's really room for this book, but I'm, I'm willing to, to trust Mark Wade on this. But um, I, I have been more impressed with the hope that this book is going to be good as opposed to the actual pages that I'm turning. The covers are nice, though. The covers are gorgeous, actually. Uh, I like the ideas. I'm still waiting to see how they're going to pay off. I, I would say that this, the end of the last issue and the beginning of this one had the most uh, emotional payoff and, and gave me the, a lot, gave me the most to think about so far. Yeah. yeah. Giant, giant robots. Not, I don't care so much. That was, um, I, I, my, I, I literally heaved a sigh of disappointment when the giant robot came out, you know, like, you know, really he's on the cover. <laughs> right. Well, well he's, have, on one of, have, he's on one of a metaphorical giant yeah, robot. I, I have cover B, and I have him okay. with the girl in the background. And I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. It's like a murder mystery. She's in the background. She's yeah. kind of hot. And then there's this big robot. You know, Mike, when we started talking about doing this show a couple of weeks ago, I remember Paul saying, ooh, yeah, that, that's a good week for books. And as I was reading this, things week, got I moved. Confess, yeah. I was gonna, <laughs> I, as I was looking this week, I was like, really? Maybe yeah. I, did that, I, that, that flash I, book got moved. That's what I was excited oh, about. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, because because I'm listening to Mike and he's like, God, God damn these co-features and these backup stories. I know. Stupid, I know. I had fun reading my comics reels. this week. 
Stupid I'm, artwork. I'm, yeah, stupid, stupid artists with their pens and their pencils. Okay. You um, should have read the Mr. T one shot, fool. I'm yeah. telling you. I'm telling it, you, you're right. It's, it's also a time. It's a time to celebrate because it's it's what the 30th anniversary of of the of the She Hulk. The sensation. Oh my gosh, it is. That that that's a character that cannot catch a break. I love how they talk about that through the book too. Like she's like, when are people gonna, when are people gonna start reading me? Even I had no idea. Even when they have a, that great, I I actually kind of enjoyed the John Byrne uh, second second story that they had in there, the reprint. reprint yeah. And I didn't know that they were complaining about their ratings even back then. No one was reading it. Yeah, John Byrne is, in a lot of ways, the things about Deadpool that are draining my life force out of my body can be blamed on John Byrne's She-Hulk run. Uh, I read that at the time. And I, like, if you go back to when Stan Lee invented or co-created or whatever he did with She-Hulk in, in 30 years ago. You have done she, this. This is up on your wall. You have charts <laughs> tracing right. it back. Uh, the, they, they played that concept straight as a heart attack in 1980. There was no irony there was no winking there was no fun loving you know green gal about town she was she was her cousin's cousin for oh. lack of mm-hmm. yeah so uh so she started out as like a scantily clad ripped through the prim dress throwing cars at people sort of she hulk and then over the years they developed the character a lot more to where like they they started doing they, somebody somewhere along the line started to explore the idea of the id and the suppressed self and whereas uh, Bruce Banner always repressed his anger so when he turned into the Hulk he was a monstrosity uh, Jennifer Walters always sort of suppressed her wild side and her fun loving side because she was this prim uptight lawyer and so when she became She Hulk she became uninhibited and kind of more pleasant company. And and then I guess when John Byrne started writing her second series when I was a kid, he he took that and ran with it. And she was she started doing a lot of breaking the fourth wall that seemed a lot more fun and interesting and revolutionary before I realized that they were gonna do it on every single page of Deadpool until I begged for yeah. mercy. I found uh, it, I found that very distracting, I gotta say. I mean it, it, i think it's cute once in a while, but like uh And I there think, you I have can't. it, my friend. Yes. There you have it. Um, but uh, that having been said, I did not. I did not suggest we talk about She-Hulk so that I could. I could critique its in, its entire. It's just a way she could talk about Deadpool. <laughs> right? No, no. It's a no, Trojan no. horse. It's a green I've Trojan always. Horse. I, I always lamented uh, Dan Slott. Dan Slott was writing She-Hulk back when neither one of them could get any respect, and that was a great series that I wish more people had kind of given a chance to. And that's the uh, lawyer stuff, yeah. It, yeah, it was, it was the lawyer stuff and it's sort of like he he came up with the best way to explain inconsistent characterization in continuity that I've ever heard where basically people from alternate realities were taking a vacation in this one. So if you ever saw She-Hulk sleeping with the juggernaut for no reason that made any sense, it was because that wasn't really her. That was her alternate dimension doppelganger vacationing here for the weekend or whatever and he just he had a really clever approach to stuff like that like uh i think that was there was an issue there where spider-man sued jameson for libel and you know it just it, it explored a lot of fun stuff in kind of a winking way without having she-hulk turn and look at the reader animal man style and you know crack a joke or whatever but um this this comic basically peter david uh gets his hands back on she-hulk again and they sort of do a, a christmas carol riff where they look at the savage She-Hulk of the '80s and the, you know, the lawyer She-Hulk of more recent times, and they, you know, sort of jokingly look at what 
is coming for her in the future. And, and then they, you know, there's a John Byrne reprint that Mike liked quite a lot. And, uh, boy, have you ever seen well, quite you know? a lot? I mean, just, <laughs> right. yeah, he loved it. it. He loved it. It was yeah. all I could talk I, about. I love John Byrne. Just, I can't, I yes. can't believe how great he is. Uh, and we, then there was a second one with a little team up with uh, Captain Marvel and Jessica Drew. Uh, oh, the Brian, the Brian Reed one. Yes. There was a yeah. weird consistency in that, that I'm probably a loser for even caring about, but, the, the, like Miss Marvel in that in that story goes out of her way to say like two or three times, I don't know Spider Woman that well. Yeah, what and was that about? That, that contradicts everything that I know about Miss Marvel and Spider Woman, but I guess it's not that big a deal. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a, if you like She Hulk, you'll like this. If you like Peter David's take on She Hulk in particular, you'll like this. There's a there's a extended cameo by Stan Lee, so that you know what that basically tells you everything you need to know about the book. If the idea of She-Hulk being visited uh, by Stan Lee as the ghost of Christmas past or whatever is interesting to you, then amen. Go it was with a, God. It was, it's, it was an, it's an entertaining romp. Yes. You don't need to read it to know what is happening in War of the Hulks or Fall of the... Oh, God. Uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. That, anyway. I, I am, I'm not going anywhere near that stuff. Just <laughs> so you know. All right. So uh, user reviews. This yeah. is a thing. This is a thing I'm supposed to do. Um, yeah. The uh, the first Amateur. thing that <laughs> it's been Jeez, it's so it's, embarrassing. It's been since August. If they would, you know, they keep farming it out to caters. How's that supposed to make me read feel? the thing? And, 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 all right, all right, yeah. I'll, all right, all right. Uh, Dragon Age number one uh, was reviewed by Silver Age Tom, who gave the story a five and the art a five. I think he probably liked it. Let's find out. He says. Now, I'm usually one to pass on any video game tie-in comic because they usually aren't any good. However, one thing stuck out at me when I saw this book on the shelves. It was co-written by Orson Scott Card, that factoid, in Congress with the fun art and vibrant coloring. He said, in Congress. Uh, made me pick this book up off Don't the shelf. Don't be a dick. Just read I'm the thing. I'm not being a dick. I'm admiring his turn of phrase. The book, written at least in part by sci-fi legend Orson Scott Card and Aaron Johnston, the story takes place in the Circle Tower. Kinky. A place where people with magical aptitude are taken to learn under the careful supervision of warriors called the Templars. Without going too deeply into the politics of the world, mages aren't well trusted because once upon a time they almost brought about the end of the world. The characters are fun and well-rounded, and the story makes a good show of elevating itself above the run-of-the-mill sword and sorcery fair. In short, it's a strong start, and it makes me want to read more. I cannot argue with that. That's the, that's the danger with these things. They're addictive, these more pegs. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, and also these uh, uh, these licensed tie-ins, which are apparently defying all our expectations these days. Well, good. I'm glad to hear it's good. I'm glad he enjoyed it. That's good. The uh, the next uh, user reviewer is Gotham City Sirens number ten, and the review is by I Make Reality. That is very deep. Um, wow. The story was four, very good, and art four, very good. Uh, I Make Reality uh, ponders. Wonders. Am I really just totally nuts for enjoying this book? No, I don't think you are, by the way. I know I'm going to catch hell for this, but this book keeps me coming back each month, month after month. So long as it's Deanie writing one of my favorite back characters. And I don't even mean in the he's the best at capturing Harley's voice kind of way. I actually enjoyed this for his take on the Riddler. The pissy, bored genius of Edward Nigma has always been a lot of fun, and his current storyline has a load of potential. When Dini takes you into Nigma's head, there's a definite sense of Edward Nigma's voice competing with the voice of the Riddler. Thankfully, it's not done in a Deadpool way, but with more of a self-examining style that is often attributed to the Batman. And I actually had dropped this book, but um, I keep thinking I want to pick it up. Do you guys read this? 
I never gave it a chance, I must Not confess. Bad. Yeah. The the art in the first couple issues is really badass. It so. seems to me this was another one of those ones that was allegedly Paul Dini and then that sounds abruptly right. wasn't. Does that sound right? Yeah. And I liked Paul Dini uh uh on Detective, but he 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 whack a mold me with some fill ins one time too many. Oh. Uh so uh I don't I don't take so many chances on him no more. Okay, let's talk about some emails. Uh, Chris G. writes, Bendis has done an incredible job over the past few years developing Luke Cage into a Marvel heavyweight and a personal favorite of mine. Do you think it's time Marvel gave Bendis a solo Luke Cage book? And if so, who should draw it? And do you guys think it would be hit or a miss? Thanks a lot. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Chris. In a lot of ways, I sort of feel like that's happening already. How so, Jim? Well, uh... I feel I feel like Luke Cage, uh, for being in a book that also stars Captain America and uh, Spider-Man, gets an inordinate amount of attention and character development in Bendis's hands in the pages of the New Avengers, and uh, that's not a complaint. It's just an observation. Like I don't know what Bendis's Luke Cage book would be accomplishing that Luke Cage's or uh, Bendis's New Avengers book. Uh, is not already accomplishing. And if I just uh, had a Freudian slip where I mixed up Luke Cage and Brian Bendis, well, maybe there's something to be explored there too. Um, I mean, but- he's, he's really busy in these books. I don't know what else he would, he would be doing. Um, but, you know, you could read, remember, did you, did you guys read that Richard Corbin Cage book from many, many years ago? Not familiar with it. it was like, I, probably, it was, I probably wasn't ready yet. A lot of people did, really didn't like it, but there is a uh, – I think it has been collected into a trade, and it's called Cage, and it's drawn by Richard Corbin. I forgot who wrote it, but um, I have a feeling you won't like it. <laughs> that is a – Corbin is a very distinctive art style. It's is, really trippy looking. Man. I'm a, I'm a it's, big it's, Corbin fan. That sounds you, interesting. You, the art is awesome, but um, it's like definitely like – Thug life, you know, it's not yeah. witty banter. Luke Cage in Avengers, it's mm-hmm. like this guy's a, a hard, hard dude. But it's, it's, it's. I mean, I, I enjoyed it at the time, but I, um, I think Bendis has gone made Luke Cage really, really appealing and really, really fun. But honestly, I just don't know if the the market would support it. I mean, I think, I just don't know. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've also heard good things about uh, Luke Cage noir. Oh, yeah. which I believe is wrapped up. But, I, I, yeah, I heard very good things about that. So that's on my list to check out. Um, but, yeah, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing it just Bendis in general going back to doing, you know, more solo series, things yeah. like Alias as opposed oh, to I was Avengers, looking but... so forward. To, I was looking so forward to that Spider-Moment book. I cannot even tell you. I just – I don't know. Did you follow uh, the Spider-Woman book? I'm reading became, it. It became a miniseries quite abruptly. Yeah. Uh, in issue six or seven because they did a motion comic of it and the end result of the motion comic was that uh, uh, Malayev never wanted to... Was it Malayev? Was it, I don't want to get this wrong. It was him, right? Yeah. Yes, the art, yeah. He never, uh, as a result of the motion comic, it took a very long time to get each issue prepared and he never wanted to see Spider-Woman again as long as he lived by the time they got to about issue seven. Oh, really? So it just, it just sort of ended. Mm. Uh, and I was really looking forward. I, I loved the pitch. I loved the character. Uh so yeah. Anyway, I, I and part of it was because I do miss Bendis doing that sort of uh, street level single character or you know single main character book. Uh, and I wouldn't. I mean, if he if he wrote a Cage book, I would buy it. I can't think totally. of my mind is every the name of every artist I've ever heard of in my life has run out of my head now that I've been put on the spot. But uh, I don't know who I would have draw it. Um, you know. The Richard Corbin idea. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's say Umberto Ramos. How's that? 
blow, <laughs> blow everyone's mind at the back of their heads. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd buy it. I think I, I think it would be the three of us on the podcast here, and uh, and our and Chris. And yeah, then, we'd we'd all love it. Yeah. And then our letter our letter writing campaign would fall on deaf ears, and we'd all oh, go yeah. cry on our sword trades. Um, <laughs> so if you have a note for the iFanboys, write them at contact at iFanboy.com, and hopefully they won't fall on their swords at that time either. <laughs> right. um, so we do have a voicemail from Dave Withnall where he asks, where to store and sell all those comics? G'day, guys. Dave from Brisbane, Australia here. With the amount of comics you read each week, you each must have collections well into the thousands, and I can imagine the space that takes up is phenomenal. Just wondering what you do to keep your collections from getting out of hand. Do you ever sell your old runs? If so, do you have any tips on where to start? I'm loving all the new content on the site, and keep up your great work. Oh, Dave. You know, my first article for iFanboy was was the journey of my stack. I remember that. Is <laughs> <laughs> it crawled from my night? I'm in my bedroom now. I'm doing this from my nightstand to the drawer under my nightstand to this shelf right there, and then into my closet. And I have actually stayed up, eyes wide open, sweating about where I'm going to keep my comics. Like I've I've gotten rid of boxes, and and you're right. We get a lot of comics, and and they don't, they're they just keep growing, and I I'm running out of room, and I'm wondering, guys, do you have a good system? Because what happens to me is I, I end up going, well, I can't fit another long box under my 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 clothes, so now I'm going right. to have to get rid of them. Here, and uh, here's I'm what sad. I do, I there's an abandoned lot a few blocks <laughs> down, and I take them down there, and I dig. Uh, for a long time, and I put them down there, and that that's every six months or so. I throw them yeah. down there, unless there's a really bad issue, and then I'll just go. I'll deliver that personally to the uh, the landfill. Um, there's a lot of cats down there. It's uh, it's a little weird. Somebody asked me what I was doing. So, oh, it's just bodies. <laughs> yeah. you, um, oh, that's fine. Yeah, it's, you feel you feel less ashamed of that. No, uh, yeah. I, I, I have, will. To be, oh, sorry, you, to, to be honest, you, my, my actual answer is I, I have um, I have drawer boxes, and I have oh, I have short boxes. I have stacks of them. Um, on either side of a bookcase, and uh, I don't know. I'm going to need to to move them out soon. I'm actually considering putting them up at a yard sale. I'm having this weekend, so I'll see if anything you, sells. I don't know. You have got to be ruthless. I understand the impulse to save them. For years, we thought for years we thought they were going to be worth money. For years, we thought we were going to read them over and over again because when we were ten, that's what we did. We we could afford yeah. three, and we read them until they fell apart. But uh, I've in recent years, I've been just cruel and heartless about looking through my long boxes and saying, never going to read this again. Got this on DVD ROM got, you know, and just, I, I went through a long period where I would just recycle them outright, uh, when I was done reading them. And for before that, I felt when I felt when I still had that collector's impulse and I felt guilty about recycling them and I thought somebody else was going to want to read them. There were times when I would just abandon them in nearby school, uh, playgrounds and stuff. Like oh, that's a, exactly, some sort that's of some sort of creepy weirdo, uh, yeah. <laughs> but as it as it happens, uh, last week I, I I wrote a I wrote an article about this for iFanboy too a couple of months ago. I uh, at some point boxed up a bunch of comics that I thought were going to be really valuable or really loved by people, like the entire run of Astonishing X Men and like All Star Superman and stuff, thinking I would eBay them or sell them or something. And that box was in the trunk of my car for literally over two years until last week. The box I, I turned one too many sharp corners and the box just ripped open and I had this blanket of, of comics in my trunk and I finally broke down and uh, went into my local shop and asked them if they'd buy them and they gave me like 10 cents a 
issue store credit on them. And every book they didn't take, I walked over to Goodwill. Uh, and that was that. Like, you know, I understand, I understand why we hold on to them the way we do. But, yeah. you know, if, if, your, if your grandmother was doing this with TV Guide, you'd put her in a home. Yeah. Well, guys, we've slaughtered another episode of uh, the iFanboy Pick of the Week. Now, Jim, it had been August for you. I have a feeling it's going to be even longer for me. After this, yeah, show. right. <laughs> you've 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 burned your last ounce I've, of goodwill. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna have to buy the guys drinks at WonderCon, and I'm disappointed that I'm not seeing you guys there. By the way, WonderCon. Yeah, I'm going up to WonderCon. Tell me more. Yeah, yeah. Ron and Connor are there right now, correct? In yeah, yeah. San Francisco, and you're headed out there. This the, probably as this is going out to people. Yeah, I, I, exactly right. I'm actually coming back from there. If you're listening to this on Sunday, but um, so that's the show, guys. Good job. And by the way, I must say, uh. Week after week, I'm always amazed at what you guys are writing. I can't. First of all, I cannot believe that we are each able to come up with somewhat original ideas every week. I don't think anybody who well, visits the site not, knows how hard so, that is. Not so fast, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not ready to call any of it on my part all that original. But oh, uh, uh, yeah, we. In case anyone is still listening and wonders why we've been able, we've been allowed to do this instead of Josh, Ron, and Hunter uh, for the past uh, hour, it's because we are the first of of uh, the staff writers at iFanboy.com. We write articles that are on the site every week, as do Josh and Ron and Hunter, and uh, uh, they. Uh, we encourage you to all go and check them out, check ours out, check theirs out. There's been a lot of new content lately. There is a uh, website. <laughs> Yes, yeah. it's true. So it's just uh, so. nebulous audio coming out of nowhere. There, there is a website and lo- right. lots of good content uh, from everybody. More and more stuff lately, and uh, it's only, there's only going to be more and more and more and more and more. So uh, hope you enjoy that. Uh, we're filling up your your Google Reader or whatever. And and if you liked you know if you like this stuff you know go check out ifanboy.com for the pick of the week review if you want to learn more about what Josh had to say about the final issue of Blackest Night. And, of course, there's a lot more in-depth uh, comic book discussion. I mean, this is just the very tip of the iceberg. And there's lots of important news and all sorts of topics that we, we talk about every day. Um, they say throw up on the website. I like to say that we post because what we write is not throw up. <laughs> right. yes. um, wow. So go to – and if you, if you are at all interested in who the heck we are, look at ifanboy.com slash about to see our social networking links. And uh, the guys do a video show, uh, which is actually quite good because – we're not on it. Uh, the last week they did what did they, what was it? The uh, uh, that was the voicemail show. Oh, that's cool. Answering and, all but, your questions. Yeah. And then next week, incredibly, they're doing the WonderCon show, which of is all things. That is pretty amazing. It's just a couple. And when days you late. say when you say they, don't you mean we? I do mean you're, we. You're gonna be you're gonna be doing some of that stuff. Yeah, you're right. I got. There, you got you got a lot of good stuff lined up for us. Oh, of course I do. Any teases? Yeah. <laughs> He's, he signed a non-disclosure agreement. This, I is exactly, yeah. this is exactly the way Josh got fired. There'll um, be yeah, there'll be awkward photos of me with like the creators that I've always liked. But you know, I, we're 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 trying. Actually, the guys are doing lots of interviews, and it should be pretty good. We've got a really great party with Amanda Connor, Jimmy Palmiotti, and Darwin Cook, and then we're going out in the town with uh, what's his Dave Johnson uh, on Friday night. So. Um, so there will be ample time for discussions with. You're, you're going to get good and sloshed, are you? Well, I, I you know I feel bad because I I didn't find out about Amanda Connor until late after I wrote my Artist of the Year, and I feel really bad because I, I thought she was a fantastic artist last year, mm-hmm. and so um, I will apologize, but I I will try to uh, restrain myself because uh, the Tiki Tour is also known as the worst headache ever on Saturday, so I got to be careful because those Tiki drinks are sugary. 
They're not good for your liver. Anyway, let's close this up. Paul. Okay, well, if you, if you have any incriminating photos of Mike in an alleyway, <laughs> passed out, um, you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com or you can leave a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys That's 326-2697. Any questions, comments, concerns, discussion topics, photos. I have a, I'm sending a bounty. I'll yeah. give you <laughs> right. 10 Amazon dollars if you incriminating photo of Mike. Actually, I, I shouldn't mean, lower that because that's probably going to happen. Anything blackmailable. It all yeah. it all depends on it all depends on how incriminating you think him dancing in the middle of the con floor uh, yeah. is. I was really sick when I did that. By the way, I hope people appreciate that. Uh, I yeah. almost fainted. Delirium is a double edged sword. And uh, if you dig us, write us a review in iTunes, or better yet, tell your friends about us. Introduce your mom to podcasts. Spread the i fanboy word. We're very very approachable in that way. It's a good it's a good podcast for mom to listen to. Yeah. I well, good luck explaining. Have you had your mom <laughs> listen to it? My God! <laughs> good, really good, news, good news, mom. An opportunity to listen to me talk for an hour. <laughs> what? Come back? No, that's not going to happen. Well, that's it for this week's show. I'm Paul, <laughs> and I'm Mike, and I'm Jim. <laughs> Yeah. <gasps>